It is estimated that worldwide there are about 150 million people who are homeless in the world. That's about 2% of the world's population. Uh, these are the individuals who don't have a roof of their own over their head at night. They might not know where their next meal is going to come from. Many homeless individuals live isolated and alone. Individuals like Joao Gamares. When one day, as he was hunting for food or a way to buy food, he decided to go into a barber shop and he asked if he could have a razor just to trim up his beard. Well, the barber shop took that one step, a big step further, and they gave him a free haircut. They trimmed his beard for him. They gave him brand new clothes. His transformation was so dramatic that some of the employees there put photos, before and after photos, of him on social media. And those pictures went viral. Well, some of the people who saw those photos were Joao's own family, who hadn't seen him in a decade. They just figured that he was dead. And the result was that there was this great reunion. His family rejoiced that he was alive. They, they offered for him to come and live with them. And can you imagine that for Joao? To go from, from hunting for food and shelter, from begging for razors, from being alone, to being able to go back and be with his family and taken care of by them. Isn't that a great ending to the story? Amen. But it's not the ending to the story. Because you see, Joel turned his family down. Said that he didn't want to go live with them. He said that he would rather live the homeless lifestyle because to him it meant freedom. Living on scraps, living alone, made him feel free. And that's sad. Sad for Joao, because he had forgotten the greatness of family. Sad for his family, who had to watch him walk off into the dangers of homelessness all alone. You know, I have a feeling that if any of us here had a family member who chose, chose to live that lifestyle, that we would be heartbroken over that. And in the same way, I think we should be heartbroken when we see our fellow Christians, our family in Christ, choose to go through life without a church home. You see, there are many professing Christians who choose not to go to church at all. Or they go so infrequently that when they do go to church, it's like a reunion, because you haven't seen them in so long. And then there are other Christians who spend so much time, uh, what we would call church hopping, which is that they're just always in different churches. And because of that, they never experience the joy and spiritual growth of having a church home. See, the sad reality is that many Christians in America have lost sight of why the local church is so important. And many of them would rather live with some extra free time during the week than be a part of a church family. And that's sad. They would rather walk through the spiritual dangers of life alone than with the continual support of their spiritual family in Christ. And believers, it shouldn't be this way. You see, something I want us to understand this morning is that we were not called to be homeless Christians. We were not called to be homeless Christians. Now, when I say this, I'm not talking about physical poverty, okay? Despite what the false health and wealth gospel teaches, the truth is that many of God's people have faced extreme loss in life and even gone through times of poverty. I'm not talking about physical poverty when I say this. 
What I mean is that God has not called his people to be without a church home. So for those Christians who have easy access to church, which would be the majority of Christians in our country, we need to be a part of a local church. So today, as we continue our Why I Believe series, I want us to consider why, why do we believe in church? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Why we believe in church, and specifically, why it's important to have a church home. That's what we're going to look at together. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to start, Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 973. Hebrews chapter 10, page 973. Now, as with uh, the other sermons in this series, I want you to know we're going to be bouncing around a little bit throughout Scripture. Follow along as best you can. If you can't follow along, please jot down the references that we look at. Take them home. Read them. Study them. See what God's Word says. Hebrews 10 is where we're going to be. But first, I want us to talk about just a couple things. When we talk about the church, church with a big letter C, when we talk about the church, we are talking about all Christians all over the world. Our brothers and sisters in Christ who we will worship God alongside in eternity. That is the church, all believers. And God planned the church to take place from eternity past. It was God's plan that through the gospel, Jews and Gentiles would come together through faith in Jesus into one body. And the church began the day of Pentecost. And as the gospel spread, believers began gathering together into local groups that we now call churches. That's church with a little c. All right? Churches are these local churches. And I want us to consider three things from Scripture today. I want us to consider why, as Christians, we need to be at church, why we need to participate at church, and why we need to be a part of the church. These are the things we're going to talk about. But let's see what the Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. It says this. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's stop right here. The first thing that I want us to understand and realize that as Christians, God wants us to be at church. God wants us to be at church. It's His will that we do not give up meeting or gathering together. But why is that? You see, I'm a big believer that everything God tells us matters. And I believe that when God says, don't do that, it's because He knows that thing's going to harm us. And when God says, do this, it's because he knows it's for our good. So gathering together as a church is it's for our good. We're told not to give up meeting together. Don't forsake, don't abandon the fellowship as some are in the habit of doing. You see, in that day, just like today, there are professing Christians who are making excuses not to go to church. Now, look, I don't know what the excuses were then. But there are plenty of excuses people make today. 
One very popular excuse going on right now is that many Christians say they don't need to go to church because they can just do church online. Now understand, online services are great, but they're not the same as being with the body of Christ. Or there are some professing Christians who don't go to church because, well, the weather is nice, so they want to be outside. Or they don't go because the weather is bad, so they don't want to leave their house. Or there are some professing Christians who say, well, I don't want to go because there are too many imperfect people at that church. You know, people just like them. Christians, how, how are we supposed to spur one another on toward love and good deeds? How are we supposed to encourage each other if we aren't with each other? How are we supposed to do that? Recently, I had one of those days, it's one of those days I'm sure we've all had, where nothing was going right that day, right? Some of you know. And all my plans were falling apart. I wasn't accomplishing the things that I wanted to. Many times that day, I threw up my hands and said to myself, well, I guess I just give up today. I don't even know what I meant by that, but I kept saying it. I couldn't shake the frustration of it. And then later, I went home. And when I went home, I stepped inside. Both my boys, they ran up and hugged me and quickly informed me that I was now on their pirate crew. <laughs> and that apparently our job was to spin around in circles, as most pirates are known to do. <laughs> and in between this very important task, I would share with Casey about what had gone on that day, and she would encourage me. And I noticed that later in the day, my whole attitude and mindset had changed. And the reason I share this with you is because being able to, to come home where that love and that encouragement is, I, I needed that. God tells us to gather together with Christians because being with the family of Christ is to our benefit. It's something that we need in our lives. We're all walking through this life in a world that hates us, Christians. The world hates followers of Jesus Christ. Well, not only that, we face temptations, we face spiritual battles against our enemy, the devil, and yet some Christians choose to go it alone. Like Joao, who I mentioned earlier, some Christians have decided that, you know, it's much more freeing by themselves. It's much more freeing not to be tied down to a work, weekly church service or, or to a midweek service or to a Sunday school class. Many Christians don't seem to realize the spiritual dangers that are lurking out there in the world. And understand, I'm not saying that church keeps you from spiritual danger. No, but, but it's where we find the encouragement to keep going. The encouragement to keep fighting for righteousness. The encouragement we need to keep living for Jesus Christ. The church is supposed to support each other. So we are supposed to be at church, believers. And that's not all. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4 together. If you're following along in one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary, turn to page 982. Page 982, 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let's pause here. I want to tell you why this is so important for us as Christians. See, not only are we commanded and told to to gather together, but here we're commanded as Christians to love each other. This is not the only place we're commanded to love each other. And when we love each other, we're not supposed to just love in our words, but in our actions. In fact, here, there are a couple practical actions that were given. Be hospitable to one another and to serve each other. In other words, Christians, we're not supposed to just be at church. We're supposed to be involved at church. Why are we supposed to be involved? Well, because we were called to be active in our faith. See, being at church is good. It's a part of our obedience to God's commands and to his will. But to show up at church and to sit idly by as others serve you and then to just head back off into the week, well, it's another form of disobedience. We aren't supposed to just be spectators. We're supposed to be participants at church. It's for this very reason that we've been given gifts to serve each other. Now, what Peter meant when he said that is he was talking about our spiritual gifts. They were given to us by the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that all Christians have. Christians have at least one spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit. And these are the ways that God supernaturally enables us to serve His people. Some people have the gift of teaching or giving or mercy or helps. There are many different gifts. And whatever gift we have, we're supposed to use it. It's part of our role in the church. By the way, if you're not sure about what some of those spiritual gifts are, a couple references you could jot down would be 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. Go home and read through those chapters as you pursue what your spiritual gift is. In fact, I want to share this with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a great chapter on serving. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church is compared to a human body. All right, now, a human body has a bunch of different parts, right, that have different functions. Our arms, our legs, nose, eyes, ears, you get it. Well, in the same way, the church has a bunch of different members with different functions, different gifts. And in the same way that a body functions best when all of its parts are working well, a church functions best when all of its members are using their gifts to serve each other and bring God glory. But it's sad that in many many churches... There are professing Christians who are more focused on what they can get out of a quick one-hour service than they are focused on what they can pour into others. Uh, They go to church to be entertained or to feel good about themselves. Maybe they go to be challenged and encouraged, but when they leave, they think that they've accomplished much. And what they need to ask is, have have they done anything to love their fellow believers? Have they taken the time to encourage and pray for their fellow believers? Have they served the body of Christ? These are things that all of us should ask ourselves as Christians. A few months ago, Casey and I took our boys to the Florida Aquarium. And when we were at the aquarium, I came to a small tank there. And inside the tank were pot-belly seahorses. Pot-belly seahorses. They look kind of like you think they would look. That's not the point. There were pot-bellied seahorses, and unlike all the other tanks that we had seen, where the fish were swimming around and swimming up to the tank, and the pot-bellied seahorses, they just sat there. They weren't even near each other, and they were just sitting there. I thought they were dead when I walked up to it. I was like, somebody needs to come clean this tank. There are kids around. 
But then I read the sign on the wall. And the sign said that pot-belly seahorses, a lot of times, they just is sit there in the water and they just wait for food to swim past them so that they can eat it. So they just sit and they wait for food to come to them. Look, here's the thing. Uh, there are many people who go to church and are content to just sit there and be spiritually fed, but they don't want to move and they don't want to serve. Believers, we need to understand that we've been called and commanded to participate in church. There's a time to be poured into. There is. There's also a time for us to pour into others. We need to ask ourselves, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, have I been serving God's people? One of the ways we do that is we volunteer in the local church. Have I been serving God's people? And I understand you may not know what your spiritual gift is. Again, go look at those passages I mentioned earlier. And by the way, one of the best ways to find out your spiritual gift is to start serving. God will make it abundantly clear to you as you do. Let's ask ourselves, have I been going out of my way to demonstrate love to my fellow believers? To encourage them, to pray with them, to mourn with them in their difficult situations, to rejoice with them in their victories? Don't just be present at church. Participate at church. And then we need to be a part of the church. And that's the third thing I want us to consider this morning. I attended college in several different states. I was in Michigan for a little while, then Minnesota, and then Virginia. And because of that, I visited a lot of different churches. Now, for the year I was in Michigan, I went to a lot of churches that were in walking distance of the campus. But by the time I finally found one to really settle into, I had transferred to Minnesota. Now, I went to Minnesota, there were no churches in walking distance. Everything was far away. I wouldn't have walked anyways in the negative 19 degree winters. So we drove, we drove to church. And I went to churches with as few as 20 people, and I went to churches that had more than 1,000 people. We visited lots of churches, me and my friends. You see, here's the thing, though. The whole time, I was sure to be at church. But the problem is, I spent so much time bouncing around that I never participated in one. I didn't join a small group or a Sunday school class so that I could grow that way in my faith. I didn't serve. I didn't go out of my way to encourage the other believers who were there. I, I, I was a spectator. When I went to Virginia, I was determined not to let that happen. So I found a church, and I wanted to get plugged in. I didn't know where to get plugged in, so I just started serving on the parking team. And it was such a blessing to be a part of this small team who, who prayed for each other, who read Scripture together, poured into each other. And the, the longer I was there, the more I got involved. But here's the thing. When circumstances took me from that church, I realized that I wanted something more. I wanted to do more than just be at church. I wanted to do more than just participate at church. I wanted to belong to a church. I wanted to find a church where I could join as a member. So I want to just take a few minutes and share why we believe that church membership is important here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. And why I believe that takes you from being present at church and participating at church and takes you to a place where you are a more connected part of the church. So I just want to share this with you. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 13 says. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. If you'd like to jot this one down. It says this. It says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. 
because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Let me explain what this is saying and why I think it matters for church membership. First, being a member of a church, when you join a church, you are putting yourself under the spiritual authority of that church's leadership. Now, church leaders are responsible to God for what they teach, the example that they set, and how they lead the believers in spiritual growth. Please understand something. Never blindly follow any church leadership. You're not supposed to blindly follow church leaders, okay? I believe the local church is supposed to hold leadership accountable. The same way the church leaders are supposed to hold the believers accountable to living according to God's word. In other words, there's a mutual accountability in a church. So here's an example of that. If there's a believer in the midst of a local church that's living in open sin, one of the responsibilities of the church is to gather around that believer and lovingly and biblically correct that sin so that they can be restored in proper fellowship with the Lord. They're supposed to gather around them. Sometimes a believer might not want to do that. And that's when a church is supposed to engage in biblical church discipline, which Jesus described in Matthew chapter 18, in which Paul told the, the Corinthian church to take in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But here's the thing. Church accountability and church discipline, they function best within church membership. And this is the reason why I say that. I have found by experience that those who are committed members of a church are more likely to repent when they fall into sin and are lovingly confronted, to reconcile with others when they've done something that they shouldn't have, and to properly grow in matters of faith, whether it refers to church discipline or something else. Whereas non-members, I have found, if they're confronted, are more likely to cut and run and live in immature faith as a result. But notice also that the author of Hebrews says that church leaders watch over you. See, the second thing about church membership is it means that you are placing yourself in the spiritual care of the leadership there. I want everybody to understand that every person who walks through the doors here is going to be cared for by the leadership here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. But I also want you to know that every member here has a deacon who specifically prays for them often who checks in on them. We strive to check in with our members, to go out of our way if they're absent, sick, or hurt, to be with them. Now look, we're imperfect in these things here. All right? We make mistakes. We can't watch over every person in this way, but we strive to watch over every member in this way and care for them. And look, I understand that many people will say that they're content with things that they have without joining the church. They'll say, I don't need any of those things. I can still participate fully, and they can't participate, absolutely. I think one pastor put it best, that when a couple is dating one another, when a man and woman are dating and they truly love each other, the next step of commitment for them would be marriage, right? That's, that's the step they take where they join together in a very special way. They become closer, absolutely, with one another. But they don't have to take that step if they don't want to. They don't have to join together in marriage. In the same way, look, a Christian can choose to enjoy the benefits of church without joining that church. But, but if that believer truly loves that local church, that next step of deeper commitment is to join the church. 
See, when they do, the church is built up and encouraged. When they do, that member is saying that they are on board with the mission and the vision and the doctrine of the church and that they are entering into that mutual accountability that a local church is supposed to have. Look, I want you to know, I'll be very honest with you about this, that the Bible doesn't command church membership. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to join a church as a member and be voted. The Bible doesn't command that. But the things that it does command of Christians to be a part of the body, to use their gifts, to encourage one another, to grow in their faith, to submit to church leadership, to submit to church discipline, to keep one another accountable, to watch out for each other. I believe all these things are accomplished best when that believer is committed to the local church. And one way we demonstrate that commitment here is through church membership. Listen to how Paul described the church. In fact, if you'd like to turn there, I'd invite you to do that. This is Ephesians chapter 4. If you're following along with one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary, it's page 948. Page 948, Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 11. Listen to what Paul says. I love this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I don't know about you, but I love that description of how the church is supposed to function. The Lord's design for the church is that its leaders would equip the people so that all together, that local body of believers would be built up in unity, maturity in faith, that we would grow together, that we would stand firm on good doctrine, and that we would function the way a body should. Look, understand, You can be at church and you can participate at church without joining the church. You can. And I want you to know that I've done each of those things. And I'm just telling you from my own experience that church membership does not come with burdens. It comes with joy. Believers, what I want us to all walk away with this morning is that church church matters. Church matters. The local church being involved in local, it matters. Let me put it this way. I want you to consider this. Sincerely. How many Christians do you know who willingly choose not to attend church who you would also consider to be strong in their faith? I'm asking you to think about that for a second. How many Christians do you know who willingly choose not to attend church who you would also consider to be strong in their faith? When I say that, I'm not trying to attack anyone, and I don't have anyone in mind specifically when I say that, but when I say that, I want us to understand how important church really is. 
And maybe you know a believer, some believers who have been absent from church for a long time. Maybe this is the week then to encourage them to return to the fellowship because we need the fellowship of believers. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that Jesus, Jesus loved the church and so he gave himself up for her. And believers, if we love the church, we'll be honoring the Lord because if he loves it, so should we. And if we, should, if we love the church, we should, we should be at church. We should participate when we're at church. And we should desire to be a connected part of the church. Look, I understand that there are some people who can't be at church because physically they are unable to be there. I know that that is true for some people. Now, in those cases, by the way, the local church respond by going and being with those believers. We should go and visit with them. We should call them on the phone. We should bring the fellowship to them if they physically cannot come into the fellowship. I also understand that there are some people who cannot be at church Sunday mornings because of work conflicts that they cannot get out of. Now, if that is true for anyone here, or anyone who listens to this online or on the radio, if that's true for anyone, please understand, don't let online services become the substitute. Online services are good, it's true, but you still need to be in fellowship. And most churches, like ours, have different things during the week, Bible studies, small groups, ministries that you can be a part of so you can be with the fellowship of believers. And when you are with the fellowship, make sure to fulfill your role. Encourage the believers. Pray with them. Grow in your faith alongside them. Serve them. And if First Baptist Church of Oxford is a place that you would like to call your church home, I just want to encourage you to consider membership with the commitment and the responsibilities and the joys that it brings. I'm very excited we have a family who's making that commitment today. But the takeaway this morning is this. If you are a part of the church, church with a big C, if you're a part of the church, then you need to be a functioning part of a local church. Biblically, if you are a Christian, you're a part of the church, you need to be a functioning part of a local church. So before we leave today, believers, I'm going to encourage all of us to evaluate and ask ourselves, who can I encourage before I leave this place? How can I encourage my fellow believers? I would encourage us to evaluate how can I serve the body of Christ this week or before I leave? I would encourage us to consider how can I love my fellow believers? At First Baptist Church of Oxford, let's be united as a church, growing in Christ and watching out for one another. Before we close in prayer, though, if you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, I want you to understand something. If Jesus isn't your Savior, please know that church cannot save you. Going to church can't save you. Joining the church can't save you. Saying that you're a member of a church. None of that can save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. The Bible is very clear that we're all imperfect. We've all sinned. We've all broken God's commands. The Bible is also very clear that we can't make up for our sin. And the just punishment for it is to be separated forever from God in a place called hell. That's the bad news. The good news is that in his overwhelming love for us, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment and penalty for our sin. He didn't stay in the grave, but powerfully rose from the dead. And Jesus stands in heaven right now, waiting to forgive you of all your sin. To give you eternal life, to pardon you from the penalty of hell, to bring you into his family, to bring you into the church. 
And friend, I want you to know that it's not about what things you can do, how hard you can work. You're not going to be able to earn that salvation. Now, Jesus has already paid the penalty for us. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you are willing to go to Jesus in faith as a sinner and ask Him to be your Savior and give your life to Him, Jesus will forgive you. He will save you. And you'll become a part of His family forever. And if you've never made that decision, I pray that you will before you leave. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at this morning, Jesus isn't your Savior. You've never given your life to Him, never gone to Him for forgiveness. You're relying on your own good works to get to heaven, if you were honest. If that's where you're at, friend, please don't leave here like that. Don't leave here separated from God when He has moved heaven and earth to bring you near to Him. Jesus paid the price for your sin and mine when He died on the cross. Because He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to pardon you from hell. He wants to save your soul. And if you're ready for that to happen, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, please know that you can come and talk with me during this final song and ask whatever questions you might have. We can pray together. But if you're ready right now to give your life to the Lord, you can go to Him in prayer and you can say a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner but I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. Jesus, today I am asking you to forgive me and to be my Savior. Today I'm giving you my life because I know you can do more with it than I can. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who made that decision, who's entered into your family by faith, who's become a part of the church, I pray they would share it with someone before they leave. Because this is a church that demonstrated earlier, it wants to rejoice over salvation. And I pray that you would help us to always be a church that's eager to see you work here in wonderful ways. So help us to be a church that's eager to work for you, to serve your people, to bring you glory, to live in a way that pleases you. I pray that we would be active as believers and as participants in this church. So Father, I pray that if there are some here who are joyfully serving, that you would bring them great encouragement this morning. I pray that if there's some here who haven't used their spiritual gift in a while, that you would show them the ministry you have in mind for them. I pray that if there are some people here who, who do love First Baptist Church of Oxford and they, they know that there's more that they could do to make a deeper commitment, and maybe you're laying membership on their heart, if that's true for them, I pray that they'd come and talk to me about that. But Father, at the end of the day, we just want this to be a place where you're glorified, where you are honored. Because this place is not about... Andrew, it's not about any of the people behind me. It's not about anyone sitting here. It's about you. And so we pray you'd be honored here. Father, we love you. But you proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us more. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.